0: all right welcome back uh we're having a great discussion with pastor tanya we're talking about the disservice in the educational system we're talking about uh, we're going to soon talk about her book um just again thank you for joining us if you uh came in in the second hour that's what we're talking about but um catch us on our podcast you can get the first half yes if you've been listening to the first half let's continue this great discussion with the disservice in the educational system
1: yes pastor tanya was right in the middle of something it's like that movie, right? Yeah. And then it goes to commercial.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right at the good part. <laughs> that's exactly what happened here. So <laughs> you <Yeah>. were just talking about the disservice that's done in the education system.
2: Yeah. So I was saying is that the educational system does our children a disservice when they put them in a box. And thinking that everybody learned the same way and uh-huh, everybody yeah. doesn't learn the same way. And they don't have the capacity as well is to stop and help the children. And then they isolate them into a different class where they already feel bad about themselves. But then and they sure. can put them in a special ed class with other people that is not even at their level because they're mixing them up with different uh learning disabilities and yeah. physical disabilities. And, and it's hard to well, for me, when I was in school, it was hard for me to concentrate with other people and noise around. So yeah. when you need that one-on-one structure, not saying that the school can't do all that, but really seek it, educate, I mean, understand your child and with the needs of your child so that you can get the proper help for the child without right. making a child feel like they are dumb or stupid or rejected or not good enough or not smart enough be able to help them at their level. Yeah, and yeah. the schools cannot provide that kind of service. And so we need people like myself and others who have struggled with dyslexia, overcame the the concept of having dyslexia and utilizing the tools that we do have to be able to uh, apply to our life to better ourselves. And then we can go back and help somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it seems like the educational system created a formula That is outdated that is specific to a certain group of people and it doesn't account for all scenarios and so i think we have to understand that everybody like you said learns differently but when it comes to the educational system you're judged by one way of learning Mm -hmm. and then you go through k through 12 and then even in college you're judged by one way of learning and so, if you do not learn that way, it can make you feel as if you're not smart enough. That's right. But that's not the case. The case is that you just learn differently. Mm-hmm. You just learn a different avenue. And mm-hmm. so, <clears throat> parents and our communities have to be able to instill in our young people and bring that other way of learning. They say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you, we, you, you are a visual learner, so you need to be able to see it. You're an audible learner, you need to be able to hear it, then see it. Or you a hands-on learner." And so this is why I really want to bring back trade schools, because especially in the African-American community, a lot of our wealth was built off what we can make with our hands.
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry. And so
0: we were able to really um, do the trades and it was really prestigious to uh, to go through a trade where you'd be an electrician or a shoe or a shoe shiner, or a cleaner. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. able to build your own wealth with your hands. But to me, that speaks to a different way of learning as well. Nice. And so, until we become well rounded in our educational system, I think we're going to still have these disparities, and it's just really not fair to mm-hmm. to our subgroup, to our, to our culture.
2: Yes, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a this, Oh, go ahead.
1: And uh, I deal with a lot of adult learners, and mm-hmm. what I find is that they struggle with the same things at the adult age, at the, you know, uh, thirties and up or twenties and up mm-hmm. they are struggling with the same things is that they've come through the system, but they still didn't really retain some of those things or they knew how to get by, you know, and things like that. And so now here you are at the adult learner level and you're, you're struggling still. Yeah. And so you could see how it could, I, I could see how working with the children in the, in the K through sixth grade, mm-hmm. how it goes from that young level and when it's not a, a consistency of support and development all the way through, then you become an adult. And now here you are trying to get a job, trying to write a resume, trying to speak in a way to where people can communicate effectively and efficiently and understand and not be, you know, using certain terminology that may be inappropriate or, you know, just different ways that that thing, that that education just helps us, you know? Yeah. You can see it throughout yeah. the generations and throughout the years, how like going from this level can impact your adulthood. Now here you are an adult and you may find yourself struggling because of what wasn't retained or the devel- lack of development at the younger. So it's like that, that domino effect. Yes.
2: Yes. I'm thinking about that domino effect. If a child has a learning disability and the parents have a learning disability and the parents haven't dealt with their learning disability and they're you know going about life as business as usual but not really digging deep in trying to receive that um nurture that they really need they do a disservice to their children and they and And only reason why I can speak to this part, because I had a daughter too that has dyslexia as well. And at the time when I learned that she had a a disability, um, I was a poor parent at that time because I used to yell at her. I used to scream at her like, I know you can do this. And I didn't understand that she couldn't do it until I had her diagnosed. And then I had to become... advocate because the school wanted to hold her back in first grade and i was like no why you want to hold her back and they couldn't tell me why they wanted to hold her back and i was like well no you cannot hold her back unless you get her tested and tell me why because she was a slow reader and she didn't her writing wasn't very well and she couldn't spell very well and i was like and i was frustrated because now here I'm, I'm repeating my own cycle again my daughter is now after me i learned i have dyslexia and now my daughter has dyslexia and i'm like oh my god this is is frustrating and it's hard. but i buckled down and and i got the service she needed and then i became an advocate for her to get the test because they wasn't gonna do the test. So I went over to school head, went to the district and they tested her. And I learned that this is what she had as well. Same as mine. And she got the resources she needed. And now my daughter, I'm telling you, I, I, she's 23 right now. And when she told me two years ago that she went out and got her apartment, he filled out an application on her own, got her an apartment the same day I, it blew my mind. I was like, God, oh my Jesus. <laughs> like, she would come to me and say, Mom, can you help me with some of these questions? She just knew what to ask mm-hmm. and what to answer on this paper and got her apartment with the help of the Lord. And I just oh, thank right. God. So it, it frustrates parents and um, do a disservice if you don't get the help you need as a parent as well, so that you can understand what your child is going through.
0: Yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. That's Um,
1: really important. That's really important. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about your book? Yeah. Because I think that's like a huge accomplishment to go from, you know, having these learning challenges and not being able to effectively read till 34, being able to go to, uh, not only junior high, high school, elementary, but you went to law school, you went yeah. to UC Davis, which is difficult to get into, number for real, one. For real. Then you go on to law school and complete yeah. your certificate program, and then you write a book. Yeah. How yeah. awesome is that? Can you talk to us a little bit about the book?
2: Yes, the book, Radical Woman, Resilience After Difficult Issues, and Changes and Losses. I have a story within a collaborative book, and- Believe it or not ladies and gentlemen let me tell you God is good I had already had the story written back in Davis I wrote about myself in a um on a document word document and did not know I had it wasn't until I met this woman her name was Ayana and she's the one who um helped me with the book She told me I met her on Club Clubhouse yeah and I was telling them my story that I just learned how to read at 34. And I want to write a book. I know I got books in me, but I, I don't know how to write them. Right. And she's like, oh my God, you is the woman I need to speak to. And so she got my information and she had this program and I went through this fast pace. Now people with dyslexia, they don't move fast. It's Things are a process, right? And she was moving me at a fast pace. So I knew that I had something greater in me to be able to move faster than I wanted to move. And I had 21 days before I can get my um, book out. So I had to come come up with the topic, which I already had. I didn't have this topic. Um odds, what was it? Um uh, I don't got my. Eyes Wide shut, uh, Defying the Odds. Yes, Defying the Odds. I didn't have that specific topic, but I had another topic and we changed to that one. But I had already written the story years ago. And when I met her, it all came together. And of course they had to do their um, editing and stuff, but it wasn't much that needed to be done because it was already written. And- I was like, God, oh my goodness. And then when they got published, I was like, I'm an author? Like, uh-huh. somebody who's dyslexic, I'm an author now? I was like, and not just an author, we were best-selling author, number one best-selling author. And I was like, oh my God, there is more in me yeah. that God wants right. to bring out of me. And I, that was just a fraction. It was just the beginning. Mm -hmm. To to see the greatness that I couldn't see in myself and didn't at one point of time in life, I didn't want to do anything because I was told I was dumb and stupid. But I said, no, I have to do something better and bigger. And so writing this book has opened up doors of opportunity for me to not only uh, be an author, but to minister to those who struggle like I struggle with dyslexia. And it's going to open up doors of opportunity so that I can do that tutoring, so that I can provide that one-on-one service with kids and or adults, whatever God chooses for me to do. But it's going to bring opportunities for me to be able to help. So back into the life when those, those professors and support teams that sold into me when I was going through uh, ele- not elementary college in uh, UC Davis, the four-year Uh, institution. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And I do have Pastor Tanya's link to um, purchase her book. So we will post that and advertise that. We want to support this book project for Pastor Tanya. It takes a lot to overcome, to even get the thoughts out of your mind, to write them down and have it published for the world to hear and see. It takes a lot. So kudos to you for overcoming that. And, and overcoming those self obstacles, because sometimes people feel like, well, I, I shouldn't really tell my story or, you know, there's other people out there that got the same story. So why would I tell mine? You know what I mean? And and I remember a, a conference I was at and a young lady said, you know, every time I get challenged with should I do this when there's already this many books out there or this many products out there? She said, God always reminds me that when I go to the grocery store and I look down the bread aisle. There's tons of different types of bread and somebody is purchasing at least one of those loaves for whatever purpose they need it for. For So it's the same thing with our testimony and sharing it. We have to tell it because no matter how many people you could have another person that also struggled in the area that you struggled in, but their story is going to be different. There's going to be something unique about what they went through and it's got to get out. So I admire you for For getting your story out there, not only to overcome for yourself, but also for others, putting it out there for others to know, listen, there's hope out there. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to think this is like a death sentence or a permanent situation. You know, this is something you can actually overcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can actually overcome it and not only overcome it, but then you can go on to be above and beyond what them people said you would never be. Yeah, and maybe yeah. stuff we started to believe that we could never be, you know.
2: Yes. Yeah. So
1: that yeah. that's awesome. So how did you get into ministry?
2: Oh my goodness! Whoo, ministry started. Oh, oh, let me see. Back in 2011. So not only did I didn't I didn't know how to read, but I was also afraid to speak. Reason I was afraid to speak because sometimes my words get twisted, and I wasn't educated enough and didn't have the proper way to say things. You know, a normal English structure, and and I used to uh, be ashamed the way I spoke, so I didn't speak uh, very much. I would sit, I would listen to people, and I would observe. So one day I was in uh, intercessory prayer. I love to pray. I I pray for people. I love to pray. I was in intercessory prayer. And I had never felt that the Lord was speaking to me in this way. Well, he gave me something for a woman to speak to this woman in, in intercessory prayer. It was a crowd of people. They were all saying what the Lord had told them about this individual. And I felt the unction to say something, but I was so afraid and so i um, timid about the around because of the people around me and what they can do And I was always looking at other people's and I thought their speech was better than mine So I, I didn't say anything I go out the room to go use the restroom because now my stomach is hurting There's butterflies going on within me like I'm scared I'm nervous This lady come pull me back in She said the Lord said you got a word and you need to give the word And she gave me the mic and put me on the spot but at that time, I was like, it's either going. I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. And so I just took the bold stance and I did it. And from that day forth, my life had never been the same. And then the Lord told me, if you go to prison and you speak what I tell you to speak at this prison in Chowchilla in 2008. He said this in 2008. He mm-hmm. said, if you speak what I tell you to speak, then your life will never be the same. And my life has never been the same. So. From there, I began to involve myself in different ministries. And Pastor John Harris is one of them. Mm -hmm. He actually discipled me and helped me overcome some fears that I had about me. And now this is where I'm at doing ministry. I love it. It's my passion. And I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world
1: yes yes and shout out to dr john harris we gotta we're gonna have him on the show too you don't know it yet but if you're listening we inviting you <laughs> but he's a very um awesome and unique ministry that caters to um just the body of christ in a very necessary way you know every ministry i believe has like their niche or whatever their target and you know he's just ministering to people that really truly seek the heart of God, you know, and, and I think it's awesome. And I know that, um, you, um, are, are with the prayer ministry or over the prayer ministry for hearts like his as well. And can you share with us just through prayer, like why prayer is so important for believers?
2: Prayer is important because it changes situations. Mm -hmm. Prayer is powerful. And if you don't have a consistent prayer life, you do yourself a disfavor. Because see, God, He wants to do things for us. But we need to pray, we need to conversate with Him. We need to have a relationship with Him so that He can do the things that He's you're asking. He He wants to bless His children. But if you don't know how to pray, then how you gonna get anything? It's powerful and it and it changes people's life. Uh Seeing so many testimonies, I have even a, another huge testimony as far as my health wise. But I'm seeing so many people's lives been changed by prayer, and and because of prayer, I'm here. Somebody yeah. prayed for me, even yeah. though my grandmother and my mother didn't lead me here. But I, I have family members that are pastors and, and mothers and prayer warriors in my family that I didn't know about until later on. But prayer is what got me when someone told me in a shopping center that the Lord is calling you way back when. Somebody was praying that I get acquainted with this God that we have and we serve and that loves us so much mm-hmm. and called me in. Somebody prayed me in. And here I am today sharing the gospel with many that I can and sharing the goodness of who God is and what he would do if you just surrender your life to him. The so prayer is powerful. We need it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree.
0: And, you know, I think it's really been an attack on prayer because, I mean, growing up, <clears throat> I grew up charismatic. Pentecostal, all that. And it would seem like it was just people would be like, Well, you know, he didn't pray good. And I'm like, How are you judging prayer? Like, oh, you know, you need to learn how to pray the house down or you gotta pray like this. And so, so it became so many rules, and you gotta the style of prayer, and then you gotta like holler and then you gotta roll around. And then the louder you the louder you pray, I guess God hears you more. Cause if you if you pray too quiet, it ain't good, you know. So we've made it, <laughs> we've made it. Such a a thing, Mm -hmm. but really, prayer is just simple communication Mm -hmm. between you Mm -hmm. and God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how loud you are, it doesn't matter how quiet you are, it doesn't matter the different words you use. God looks at the posture of your heart when you pray to Him. And I think people just have to understand that prayer is just simple communication between you and God. It's not the theatrics, it's not the this and that, you know. Even Jesus had to say, "Look, don't pray like them. I'm gonna tell you how to pray. Like. <laughs> exactly. Our Father, who art are in heaven, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> now it be thy like, like, you know, god You ain't gotta yes. do all that other stuff. This, 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 is. I'm gonna teach you how to pray, and it's, yes. it's very simple. And yes. so, I, I really believe that we're getting back to the essence of prayer, yeah. the simple communication. And so, I definitely believe I'm a proponent that prayer is it's vital. But I think a lot of people don't pray because we put in so many different rules and antics on it that people really get nervous. Like they don't want to pray in front of people or they, they don't want to pray because it's like, we got to, you got to, I, I feel like I got to pray like this so people can say, I pray the house down, but really we're not praying to each other. God is the yeah. only one that can determine how good prayer is.
2: Right. But, but- to that note, what you're saying, people that don't like to pray in front of others, I believe people haven't had the opportunity to be themselves. To be who God created them to be and, and how God speaks to them. They haven't had the opportunity for somebody to say, God honors your prayer, even if you just say, I love you. yeah that it's just that simple and so you're so right people are afraid because they haven't had that platform and i thank god for hearts like his we have the platform to be who we are and not be condemned not be talked about not be shamed about who we are god accept us the way we are as i have a bible study on sunday nights with my four i got four grandsons and my oldest daughter and i I offer them to pray and they'll say, I don't know how to pray. I say, yes, you do. I say, ask God what you want for him to do for us. And, and if it's just God, can you help us in our Bible study? God honors that. Yeah. So I'm teaching right. my grandsons how to pray at a young age and allow them to be who God created them to be and accept them right where they at and teach them the things that they could learn. You ain't got to pray like grandma, but you pray how God chose for you to pray. And that is a blessing in itself. So we got to give people room to be able to fail, to be able to make mistakes and and say, it's okay. God yet still love you. And he honors your heart. That's what's important. That's
1: right. And when you were saying that about your grandkids and things, I was reminded of, um, you know, every time we go buy my parents' house and we'll have the family over, my nieces and nephews and the, the little ones, my dad would, my, would always have prayer before everybody leaves. And so yeah. my dad will ask, you know, one of the grandkids and they're little, they're like seven, you know, and so he say, it's your turn to pray. And they'll be like, uh, I prayed last time. <laughs> you know? No goodwill, they didn't pray last time, but... <laughs> but they end up praying and they're like and god watch over us at school and god watch over grandma and god do this and i mean they go on and on and <laughs> i mean if the babies can do that come on come if on they can figure out some stuff to talk to god about on come behalf on. of others surely we can do that
2: <laughs> come on yes ma'am yes ma'am
1: surely we can do that sure yes. So yeah, I I I prayer is a huge component of the. I mean, just like the saving grace we have, I believe because how do we maintain a relationship with Christ if we don't talk to Him? Come on. I mean, I equate it. I'm simple. I'm one of the people that's very simple. My mm-hmm. I learn very simply, <laughs> but if you don't talk to somebody, how do you have a relationship with them? Exactly. it, it it's difficult. it's It's very difficult to have a relationship with somebody that you don't communicate with at all. And so it's a part of just our, our Christian DNA. It has to be just a natural component of discipling others. And uh, like my husband said, I think that sometimes, you know, at some point some folks have kind of moved away from the importance of prayer and discipling others turned into some other thing, you know, Mm -hmm and mm-hmm. some other aspects and including some other things that, um, have kind of pushed away from prayers. Like, okay, well, you know, we don't really teach you how to pray, but this is, you know, pray when you can, or you got those spiritualists out there, right? Cause mm-hmm. you got to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. And you got those people that say, you don't need to pray to God. You're, you are God. Mm-hmm. You talk mm-hmm. to your own self. Mm-hmm. You got to power within yourself. Mm-hmm. It's
2: like, they-
0: because <laughs> if I had the power within not- myself, my life wouldn't be the way it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have Bill <bill-based> pay money. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yes. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we that about that a ain't minute. Work.
0: We got about a minute and a half left. Uh, for people that tuning in late, I just want you to reintroduce yourself again. Yes. Tell us about your book and how can people find you and contact you.
2: Amen. Again, my name is Pastor Tanya Kent, but you don't have to put the pastor on it. Tanya Kent. I'm just a vessel that's used by God that loves people. The book is Radical Woman, Resilience After Difficult Issues, Changes and Losses. And Dr. Danae will put it online where you can buy the book because if you go to Amazon, the visionary will get the proceeds and we want the proceeds to come to me. And I thank you about uh Thank each and every listener that is listening this time. You can find me on Facebook under Tanya Kent spelled T-O-N-Y-A-K-E-N-T. And you'll see me standing up with this dress on, looking like (laughs) I'm a minister, (laughs) looking like I'm out there, sold out for God. (laughs) You'll find me that way. And I'm on Instagram under my same name, Tanya Kent. Um, Yes. And so if you don't mind, can I pray us out? Go ahead. Sure.
0: Yeah, we got about 25 seconds. Okay.
2: Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the things that you've done on this radio talk show, Father God, K-U-B-U 96.5. I thank you for the visionaries, Father God. I ask you to just bless them in everything that they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Catch us
0: next, Catch week. Us
2: next week. All right.